Hey everybody, I am Nathan Lersh. I'm the pastor at Illumin Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And I'm Pastor Josh Schultz uh, here at Mountain View Lutheran in Great Falls, Montana. Uh, it's great to be with you again. We are sharing this conversation um, between the two of us. We're sharing it with you just to give you a little piece of God's word to chew on sometime, you know, perhaps during the middle of the week. We know, we all know how tough it is to get lots of people together at one time. So we're hoping you can just ponder this whenever you like, whenever it works best for you. Um, so today we're in John chapter four, verses one through 26, both Josh and I, Josh, we both preached on this, this last Sunday. Um, but I, I'm just going to recap the story briefly, but it would be great unless you're driving to maybe open your Bible, um, pause this podcast and read it for yourself verses one through 26. Otherwise, if not, that's okay. You can also have your Bible open and listen along as I recap it. Um, but Jesus very briefly here, he's going from Southern Israel to Northern Israel. He goes through Samaria. The Bible says he has to go through Samaria. Uh, we may talk a little bit more about that. We'll see. Um, he meets this woman. He's all by himself, meets this woman at a well. Um, they start talking. He asks her for a drink. She thinks he's talking about regular water, but he is leading her to better water, spiritual water. Um, eventually he's going to show her himself. Um, Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband. And he tells her her life story, even though he had never met her before. Um, she says, you're a prophet. And they talk a little bit about worship in spirit and in truth. And then she says, well, someday the Messiah is going to be coming. Let's just leave this for when he comes. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he and the story doesn't end there but that's where verse 26 finishes so yeah i think that's my recap josh um, kind, of, kind of the best that you <laughs> you could do it's hard to recap a story with a lot of this and again if you are able to to hit pause and read it on your own or before or after this uh you should go ahead and do that because it's an amazing story yeah, and it does go through verse 42. I, I, I'll just finish it. Like she goes back to her village. She brings people um, or no, she does. Yeah, she does bring them. First, she tells them and some of them believe in Jesus. But then the people from the village came out to Jesus and said, hey, stay with us for a while. So he stayed for two more days. And based on everything Jesus told them over those two days, which the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what it is, but all these people in this village believe in Jesus as the Messiah, as their savior, um, as the savior of the world, based on what Jesus said. And Jesus really proved to them that he is greater than every other teacher they'd ever heard. He's just the greatest of all time, greater than everything, and that he is the savior uh, and their God. So, um, but it throughout woven throughout this story is the fact that Jesus was Jewish and he's in a place called Samaria, which is a big deal. Right. And, you know, to understand the context of it, I mean, this goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, Samaria is in the middle, uh, north and southwise. In the north, you have Galilee, where Jesus is from. In the very south, you have uh, Judea. That's where Jerusalem is. And like right in the middle is Samaria. And there's a high concentration of, of Jewish people in Galilee and Judea, but in Samaria, obviously that's where the Samaritans lived. 
Um, and if you go back, what, 700 years before this, that's when the northern kingdom of Israel fell, uh, got carried off in exile, and they never came back. And then the Assyrians brought uh, other nations to come and inhabit the land, and then you had a mix of, of a bunch of different races, and so they weren't really purely a, Jew a Jewish race. And that was a big deal um, because a lot of times they understood improperly that they were saved because of their Jewish race being children of Abraham. And so uh, not only religiously, but racially and politically, there's a lot of tension between the two. And it got so bad uh, by the time uh, of Jesus' time where Jews, if they were going from Galilee to Judea, they they would not travel through Samaria because they would be um, declared ceremonial unclean if they came into contact or spent time with the Samaritans. They would go around Samaria if they were going that route. And that's why it's so telling when we see in verse 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Um, I mean, they talk about his mission and his purpose of carrying out the Great Commission, which he would later give of going and make disciples of all nations. Uh, that's exactly what he's doing right here. Nothing would stop Jesus. There is no, uh, you should say, religious or political or here racial lines that he wouldn't cross uh, to tell somebody about himself. Yeah, and I, um, Jewish people didn't want to associate with Samaritans, it says in the text. And I, I read something that actually Samaritans hated the Jewish people just as much. Like if a Jewish person was traveling, they would refuse to let them stay you know, if they had our equivalent of a, of a hotel or something, um, which is, you know, that's pretty bad too. Um, so it, it went, it went, uh, it went both ways. And so let me just make sure I'm understanding and hopefully the listeners can understand very clearly, like Samaritans were completely not Jewish people or they were, was there other people were brought in and it was like intermarriage. And so the racism came out of that. Yeah, I think the, the main thing wasn't just that they were a different nation. They weren't like Gentiles like uh, the Romans would be. Uh, but it was specifically because the Samaritans believed in the same God. Um, they only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament, the books of Moses, and they didn't believe the rest of it. So they claimed that they believed in the same God. They had a lot of the same traditions uh, and festivals and you know theology as the as the Jews did, but it wasn't the same. Um, it wasn't what the Jews would call pure Judaism. And because they were claiming to be descendants of Abraham and so on and so forth, that's what the Jews took the biggest issue with. It's just like they're claiming to be something that they actually aren't. When in the grand scheme of things, we know uh, New Testament, looking back 20, hindsight 2020 to know that God wasn't looking uh, for anything dealing with race, all he looked for is the same he looks for that he looks for now is his faith in the Messiah, faith in Jesus. I'm uh, I'm just spitballing here, but it kind of seems like you know, like the hatred drove the hatred drove the hatred, and it right. was like a vicious cycle. And like here comes Jesus, and I I just finished recapping the story by saying that the Samaritans invited Jesus to their town, mm -hmm. and usually they'd hate, and so you know, sometimes all it takes is one person to, and obviously Jesus is Jesus. So he's, he's, you know, he's Jesus, but uh, 
Enough, enough um, but like he transformed a whole village because right. he didn't hate he showed love and uh i don't know if this is too specific of an application but as you know if you're a christian listening or for or for us as pastors like you know there's people that we think in our hearts you know they'll never come to church or they're they'll never listen to what the bible says or anything and like this is the power that God's word has, um, this is the power that Jesus's love has to turn haters into people who love God. And it's, I, isn't it one thing, I guess I haven't thought about it now that you say that, uh, is, you know, the village came, this woman came to believe and the village came to believe too. And a lot of times we look at it, it's like, oh yeah, well, he's Jesus. Of course that's going to happen. Well, Jesus did work, you know, a subtle miracle in there of letting the woman know that he knew everything about her life. Yes. But Jesus used, Jesus didn't use any miraculous power outside of his word to bring people to faith. Right. Yeah. He's Jesus, but he's using the same word about himself that he's given to us as well. Right. And we know that God's word, you know, the amazing gospel message of sins forgiven, um, reconciliation, redemption, all of that. That's the same word that we have. And it has the same power to change people's hearts to do what Jesus did, just share that word about the Savior. Who knows yeah, what God's going to do with it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, sometimes it didn't uh, work out numbers-wise for Jesus either. Like mm-hmm. I, I think it's a couple months till we get to John six. Cause we're kind of jumping out of order here at Illumin at least, but um, chapter six, Jesus preaches a sermon. And uh, I think there were thousands of people there. And after he preached the sermon, everybody left except right. the disciples. And he says, are you guys going to leave too? Like his church shrunk. Like it was one, one hundredth of what it had been before he preached the sermon. Right. Uh, which is, that's a whole nother topic. And we'll, we'll, we might get to it. <laughs> some, All right, let's yeah, get some, let's get let's, let's get into the story here. Yeah, so Jesus, so, I, so Jesus mm-hmm. starts by asking. Um, ask he gets to the well, and the woman's shocked that he's there, and he asks, "Will you give me a drink?" And you know that shocked the woman. She says, "You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan." She knows, like you know, this is not typical one that you're a Jew and you're even here in Samaria and two that you're asking me for a drink. Uh, but then Jesus, you know, he takes, he takes a conversation in, in her, you know, if you put yourself in her shoes in a very, very odd direction. Uh, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And I guess when I look at that, when I was studying this, you know, before I preached on it, you know, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, the second part of that we know obviously is Jesus, her Savior, the Messiah. But it's just like, well, what do you think he means when he says, if you knew the gift of God? What is he referring to there? Yeah, good question. But first of all, it would be frustrating to have a conversation with Jesus. <laughs> like there, I'm just like looking through here. He almost never just straight up answers her question, but right. that's nothing. That's nothing against Jesus. It's like, and if, 
if we're thinking, Jesus, just answer my question. Well, maybe I'm not asking the right question or maybe it just needs to be framed totally differently. Um, But yeah, I think the debate is, so I'll throw a question back at you. Like if you knew the gift of God and who it is. So is that the same thing? Is the gift of God Jesus because Jesus is the one asking her for a drink um, or is the gift of God something else? What do you think? Yeah, well, we know what what is it in Acts, Acts chapter two, the the Pentecost sermon when he talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know that is like the gift of faith that God puts in our heart. Uh, but you know, is she is he saying that if you, if you knew the gift of God, if you had faith, or is the gift of God simply salvation, the forgiveness of sins? Um, because we know that Jesus is God's gift to us, him sending his son, but he seems to separate the two. So I don't know, I guess I would say salvation just in general, uh, which I guess is a, seems like a basic answer to us. But I mean, that's exactly what Jesus is trying to get to in this conversation, leading her to faith in the salvation that Jesus brings. Yeah, I think I can get on board with that. And I think sometimes we try well, we don't try to, but sometimes we separate all these things, but they're like, it's the same. Right. It's God's, it's God's gift. Um, and then if it's you all, look at it's the all leading that, us, it's all leading us back to Jesus. Right. Right. And, um, and then the end of verse 10, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Um, like that could, you could say that's the gift of God. And what's the living water? Well, it's, it's Jesus being the savior. It's the message. It's the face that believes that Jesus is a savior. It's the, it's the life that you have because you have the living water, which is spiritual life, not just now, but forever, but not just heaven, but spiritual life now. Um, I, think, I think we can say all those things. I, I well, something I, I talked quite a bit about on Sunday was what God gives us lots of gifts um, and we can, there's lots of places to go when you're thirsty, so to speak. Um, but here he says, he's not just talking about if you knew all the gifts of God. No, he's saying if you knew the gift of God, mm-hmm. the, the one that stands over all the other ones. Um, and I think we both, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but talking about ways that we try to satisfy our soul's thirst. And we each talked about a, a number of different ways. And um, I'll be honest, I, I, uh, if any of uh, Illumin people listen to this, now they know I got the example from you. But like as pastors, we want to be good pastors, but we can s- sinfully like base our identity on if we get feedback or compliments or if people tell us that we're serving them well or that if we're meaningful to them. And, and other people do that too in all their different identities, like as a parent or student or employee, like you want to know that you're doing a good job and that people are helped by you. But, um, but if, and if that's where we find our, that's where we quench our thirst, we're always going to be thirsty. Um, but anyhow, um, it's a, it's a gift to, to, or it's a blessing, I guess, to, to know that you're important to people and things. And, but the gift of God, um, that that's what Jesus says, like drink, drink up the gift of God. 
yeah. all these other gifts, but drink up the gift of God. So I, I kind of lost track a little bit there, but um, right, no, what, you, what you're trying to get at too is, you know, what's the goal of Jesus? He's trying to lead her to living water. And he does the same with us. Like Jesus tries to take us to the well of living water that will truly satisfy our soul. That's why he says, um, if you drink the living water that I give, you're never going to grow thirsty. So, you know, what is it in our life that we're trying to satisfy or quench our soul's thirst with that just really isn't satisfying it? Um, and yeah, we both, we both talked about it in our sermons to be like, that can be a very, it can be, it can be sin. That's just so blatant and obvious. Like this woman, you know, five husbands, five divorces. And now she was living with a man who wasn't her husband. It's just like, she was, she was trying to quench her soul. It was a, it was a spiritual thing. And Jesus was bringing that out and it just wasn't working. And being on man number six is proof that she just wasn't quenching her soul's thirst for whatever it might be, love, acceptance, companionship that, you know, seeking that like an earthly relationship, like a marriage, uh, obviously we go to our marriages, to our spouses for that love and companionship. That's what God promises. Uh, but she was just doing it in the wrong way. And in the same way, it could be something obviously good. Like you gave the example of being a pastor. Uh, another example I use might be something like finances. If you're going there for security, um, yeah, they, they'll offer it for a time, but it's going to be temporary. The true security, the true uh, love, the true uh, feelings of being adequate, of being important, of, of being forgiven. All these are found only in the living water that Jesus gives. So he's telling us, you're not going to satisfy your soul eternally with anything of this world. But what I give you, the spiritual, the eternal, this living water that is what will quench your soul and he's leading us to go to that well to drink from to drink from it again and again and again uh to truly be satisfied yeah as you were as you were talking it made me think uh like imagine that she hadn't been divorced five times and she mm -hmm. weren't with a man who's not her husband imagine she was still married to her first husband and they had an absolutely wonderful marriage Right. Jesus, Jesus could have, yeah, could have still thing. said, yeah. yeah, because, and it, it would be the same for you and me. Like if we were, yeah, anyone, you know, and married or not married, if, if you, if you look to another person um, for your, like to satisfy your soul um, or like if, yeah, if, if, if she and her husband had a wonderful marriage, but that was where she was trying to fulfill her soul's deepest desires from him and his love for her. She was still going to be thirsty, even if he was the best husband in the world and she were the best wife. That's good. And yeah. And I like, you know, I say this as a pastor, if, if I really knew the gift of God, like if my faith were perfect, if I perfectly understood God's plan for me, for all eternity, I would just not like, I would be able to face every problem in my life so much better. Um, you know, so in a sense, I'm like, Jesus could say that to me. If, if Nathan, if you knew the gift of God, if you really knew it perfectly and who and Jesus is, is. And what does Jesus, um, do? what does Jesus do with an imperfect faith that we all have? 
not that it's not saving, but just like our trust and understanding is imperfect because of our sin. But just to say, he takes that, he gives us something like John chapter four. He redirects us back to him, back to the living yeah. water again and yeah. again and again. Yeah. He says, I, I am he, I am, I am the gift of God. I am what you're looking for. Like, yeah. And he says it elsewhere in the God, like, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Just, just talk about that. Just talk about that moment. You know, he lets her go off kind of on a tangent because she's trying to skirt around this, the, the subject as he confronts her sin. And then she starts talking about worshiping and, you know, the place of worship, because that was a big hot topic and difference between the Samaritans and the Jews. Um, but then Jesus answers it, but he's leading her to bring out that confession. When I say confession, meaning like her, what she believes in, she says, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And then, you know, there's that amazing, amazing moment where Jesus says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I mean, what would it, I mean, how do you picture that moment? Because uh, it's just, it's just so captivating. Yeah, like I wonder if, you know, and we don't hear anything else, if there was more conversation or not. Because um, the next verse says the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Um, and then the next verse says, leaving her water jar, which was the reason she was at the well in the first place. The woman went back to the town and then said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Um, so like Jesus, you know, masterfully just gave her a little piece of himself when he knew that she had five husbands, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I don't know if she, you know, did she believe him? When he said, I am he, I would guess probably not like totally. But then as she heard him, she, but there, she knew there was something and she wanted yeah. to hear more. Um, yeah. Because and, what is um, she, because what does she, what does she say? She says to the townspeople, uh, the man told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Um, you know, you can, we can debate that, but you know, did she have, did she not have like the true faith in the Messiah yet? Because she did, you know, by the end of this in a few verses, you know, we're trying to map out where it wasn't time. Was it, you know, a mustard seed faith? Was it a big faith? And she was saying, could this be the Messiah asking them like, Hey, I'm putting a question in front of you. And I want to, I want you to come and know what I found that he is the Messiah. It's interesting, but I think it's really interesting how John, like you just stated, 28 he says he adds that detail that she left her water jar meaning like like that was the whole point that jesus was making it's just like i have something mm. better yeah you're gonna need this to survive the day physically but it's just like in the end what you're looking for physically and what you're looking for spiritually that ain't gonna cut it i'm gonna give you something better and she leaves it uh, because she's found it. Now she wants to bring other people to, to drink in the living water too. Yeah. The water jar clearly was not that important to her anymore. Um, because Jesus was what was important to her and um, I kind of a side note, but it can be easy to kind of look down on the woman and, but, but we can't, we can't do that too much. Um, 
And like verse 25, I know that Messiah is coming. Like here's a woman who believed, she believed in God's promise that Messiah was coming, that someone, that a savior was coming. Now what she believed he was going to be like, who knows? Um, But she believed that he was coming. She just didn't know who he was. And there's Jesus to say, I'm the one. And here's, here's what this really means. Um, what Messiah really means in truth. Kind of want to just uh, wrap it up with, uh, you know, if you look at verses, if you go a little farther, verses 39 through 42, um, it says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She said, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to see him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Uh, They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Yeah, if you want to do, and I know we've talked a lot about evangelism and telling people about Jesus uh, in our own lives and in our ministries. But you could just look at that and like there's there's a model for us, right? Hmm. To tell to tell others your testimony of what what Jesus has done for you. Yeah, it it you know maybe I'm speaking to myself, but it, it'd be a helpful thing to write down. Like someone asks you, "What has Jesus done for you? Like, why do you even believe in him? Mm-hmm. What, what do you say?" Which is, isn't that a very common question? You know, they might, they might, I, I actually was just having a conversation with uh, one of my friends here in Great Falls. And it was, you know, people don't ask me that question as a pastor. Cause like, okay, I'm a pastor, but you know, it was somebody who was getting grilled by he, you know, getting grilled by some of the people in his life being like, you know, why are you going to church? Like, why did you start going to church? Why are you, you know, why are you talking about Jesus and believing all this stuff? Like, you know, you, you didn't, you used to not, but now you do. And they're just like, what gives? And like, man, that's a very common question that, that we Christians uh, will have to answer. And it shouldn't be something that people should be asking us, right? People should be asking us, why do you believe what you believe? Because we're living out our faith and we're actually talking about our faith, right? And that's yep. a perfect opportunity. I, yeah, I was uh, I was texting with someone uh, doesn't live around here, but I was texting with her on Saturday, and she was like, "How's church going?" And I talked a little bit about that, and then I asked her. I was pretty forward, but I just said, "What do you What do you believe about Jesus?" Um, and then she said, "I don't really know what to believe about Jesus. I'm not sure how to think about you know God and everything." Like, boom, there's an opening, right. and. Uh, yeah. So what do you say in that situation? So if you're listening, what do you say? Like maybe go write down three sentences, write down right now. Uh, what do you say to someone who says, Oh, I don't know what to believe about Jesus, which is basically the same thing as asking you, why do you believe in Jesus? Why does he matter? And I think yeah. too, you talk about just writing like three sentences down that this woman just simply said, all right, this is what happened. This is who this, this is who this Jew is that met me at the well. 
I think it's it's convicting to me. It's not only convicting uh, because I make it more complicated than I actually need to be like, all right, I'm going to craft this conversation. I'm going to navigate it as best I can. But it's just to do what you did with uh, that individual, just like be blunt, be forward, you know, throw it out there and say, this is this is this is the gospel. This is the good news, and this is for you. And uh, who knows what God is going to do with it? Because it's up to Him. But we know His word carries power, just like we see evidence here. And to say, "Hey, let it fly. Take a swing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we just did some ministry planning, and I can't remember exactly when we scheduled it for, but we're going to do an evangelism few evangelism seminars this year. And one of them, people were asking, well, like, how do I start a spiritual conversation or how do I right. steer a conversation into a, into a spiritual realm? And it's a great question. I'm really excited to, I'm really excited to study it more myself and um, also, um, also teach, teach on it. But um, <laughs> I'm thinking, I think it was, a, I don't remember which church it is, but some pastor said he, uh, you know, and this could come off as a little gross, but he said, like, we just want to be people who are oozing Jesus all the time. Mm -hmm. And like, just, you know, so it's good to know how to start and steer conversation. Also, like, just be a person who oozes Jesus yeah. all the time. Right. And uh, you, you won't have trouble starting or steering conversations. Maybe you will, but, but just ooze right. Jesus. And there you go. Don't overthink it. Right. Yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to end. Can you, uh, yeah. can you close us out with a prayer? Yeah, let's do that. All right, thanks. Um, dear Lord, thank you so much for uh, bringing us together today, uh, Nate and I, and also anybody who's joining us listening. Uh, we come to you in prayer because you've promised that we can as your loved, redeemed, forgiven children, and you promised to hear us. Uh, we ask that you would give us the spirit and the heart of Jesus that he had to go through Samaria. Uh, help us to see some of the dividing and uh, the boundaries, the lines in our lives that we say we won't cross with the gospel and, and let us look to Jesus as our, our reason and motivation to cross it and to tell others about him. Uh, we know that we are in so many ways, we're in the same shoes as this woman at the well uh, that she had so much broken in her life, broken in her heart. And we ask that you would uh, continue to, to heal us and to uh, give our souls what it needs, the, the forgiveness of life that only you can give, uh, because we know you heal us and we know you, you hydrate our souls and you give us that spiritual nourishment and lead us to that living water again and again and again in your word and sacrament. And, and may that again move us uh, to do what this woman did and to give a testimony to tell others what you have done for us, what you have done for them. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Also, see you next week. Also, wait, 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 wait. Do both of our kids, do Do I have a child and you have a child? Am I remembering yes. correctly? Birthdays today? Birthday. Yep. My son, Fred, is two and your daughter. Bryn is, Bryn is one. Happy birthday, Bryn. Happy birthday, Frederick. There you go. Yeah, you used his, his official name. But, but, all right. Stay All right, we'll see you. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs>